Hello, everyone. It's Ruth here. I hope that all of you are doing well. I hope that you're finding yourself getting out of this past winter with some dignity left. I feel like I don't have as much dignity at the end of this winter as I did at the end of previous winters. It kind of kicked the crap out of me. However, that being said, a lot of really great things have come out of this past winter, such as Optimistically Depressed. It's been a huge relief uh, to be able to listen to other people's stories, to be able to share things with, with all of you and know that I'm not alone. And I feel like I'm able to actually help my community and help create a community that is a support system for people who are going through e either just regular struggles or struggles with depression, anxiety, any other kind of mental illness. I feel really privileged to be able to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, thank you so much for considering me. I hope that you really enjoy it. And uh, if you have been listening to it for a while, thank you so much for your support. And if you wouldn't mind, if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the podcast. It does make it easier to find. And it also, of course, would make it so people would be you know, more intrigued by it because they see that their peers are finding it to be an interesting podcast. If you'd love to be on this podcast, I would love to have you. We can get together. We can talk a little bit. I'd love to hear a bit of your story. And then we can discuss what you would like to talk about on the podcast. Get in touch with me through Instagram. You can direct message me at Optimistically Depressed. And also give me a follow while you're at it. And uh, you can also email me, OptimisticallyDepressed86 at gmail.com. Or you can go to my website, which is OptimisticallyDepressed.com. So I, uh, I got to interview Fawn. And she is so insightful and so kind and so strong. It was really awesome to be able to hear some of her thoughts on motherhood, parenthood, self-identity. We discussed some other things in there as well. And I hope that you find this to be as fascinating and encouraging as I did. So I guess that's it. Without further ado, here is Fawn. Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. We are proudly brought to you by Simple Rituals Skin Care. You definitely need to check them out. If you haven't yet, you need to do that. You can find them at simplerituals.ca. Definitely go check out their products because they're grand. And I'm so thrilled to be sitting here with Fawn Logan Young. Hi. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good. I'm like, when do I talk? I want to talk now. Okay. <laughs> you could totally now. just like interrupt me. <laughs> like I'm in the middle of like, this is optimistic. Hey, everybody. <laughs> how's it going? Welcome. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for making the way out here and being here. It was a good day for it. I feel like this whole winter, there's been this, like, crust of dirt on everything. And ever since the time change, 
it's just like it's all gone there's daylight longer and it feels wonderful <laughs> so you're feeling a lot better yeah it's so weird i'm so so um affected by sun yeah i think i think i am too and i don't think that was always the case for me but i think recently i've been starting to like really feel the effects of not having as much daylight right yeah i guess like naturally it's it makes sense <laughs> right yeah it totally makes sense i don't know why it didn't affect me like earlier than this like but really like this i think this winter was like the hardest one for me which is weird because, like, we've had worse winters right. with more snow, but I was, like, more okay. But this winter, I don't know. Maybe less than in general, whether it's cloudy or not. We also, I guess, every seven years, our bodies completely change where our chemicals and everything, atoms, are completely different every seven years. So maybe that's something to think about. <laughs> maybe that's one of the things that just changed for yes. me. Yes. You just blew my mind. Like, I hit, used to hate mustard, and now I love mustard all of a sudden. I have no clue where that came from. <laughs> wow. I'm trying to think now of one of the things that I used to hate and now I love. I can't think of anything right now. When I was little, I hated lasagna, but then I had my mom's lasagna, and it was like, this is the best thing ever. I had it for the first time at a camp. Maybe that was what the problem was. Yeah, probably, Sometimes. like, boiled instead of baked or something gross. Yeah, <laughs> probably something gross like that. Okay, which I have to... This is so random, but when you said boiled instead of baked, it just made me think of uh, the chicken burger. Okay, yeah. Because, like, it's a big deal, right? Everybody mm -hmm. really loves it. And I think the key is that when you go there, you're supposed to dress up the burger, like, put mayonnaise on it and like you're going whatever right <laughs> I didn't do that because uh -huh. I was a noob and I didn't realize that you're supposed so like that I just re figured that they handed it to you at like the way that it's supposed to be eaten right. so I just ate it and it was disgusting <laughs> <laughs> like this thing's been around all these years what the heck <laughs> yeah I was, so, like, my, I was so confused like why do people love this place so much this is disgusting and it was like um and then I was like and they boil their chicken ew <laughs> think they are <laughs> who do they think they are yeah so uh but now i realize you're supposed to actually like put stuff on it yourself that probably would help yeah i had a similar experience um when i was in high school i used to work at the airport and they actually put a chicken burger in their airport and it lasted maybe a year or two anyway similar experience the last time i had gone to like the chicken burger in is it bedford yeah, yeah it's in bedford um I was, like, younger, so whoever got it for me, they knew what was going on. So I was like, wow, this is so good. And then as this mini adult going to Chicken Burger in the airport, had an awful experience because I didn't dress it up. And then come to realize a few years later that I was supposed to do it. And I felt awful. I was like, oh, my God, I judged Chicken Burger. I but judged. it was my own ignorance. It was my own. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And that's exactly where I'm at, too. I, I so harshly judged it. I was like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? There's a moral to the story somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> don't judge a burger by its buns. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That totally works. I love it. <laughs> by its soggy buns. <laughs> These are t-shirts now. <laughs> <laughs> that totally is a t-shirt. I would buy that t-shirt. Done. Optimistically pressed. Don't judge 
Burger Bites Buns. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Done. That was a great episode. Great. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, everyone. <laughs> so, um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, yeah, kind of like, yeah, this weird weight that mm-hmm. I felt for the winter is starting to come off which is something I haven't been able to say in a while. Like, I've felt pretty plateaued, I guess, for the winter. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of ready to go up or down. (laughs) (laughs) Just anywhere. Yeah, let's see where it goes. Yeah. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling glad. Like, summer is, uh, it, it never used to be my favorite season. But I'm starting to look forward to it more and more. Winter was my favorite season. Now I think it's more fall, maybe, in like, and then I like spring, and then I don't know. I don't know. I'm reassessing everything. I'm. So I, I, know, I actually anymore. kind of like life sometimes. Whatever, whatever season it is. Yeah, I like life. Yeah. <laughs> in certain seasons, I like life. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I used to always, I think summer for a lot of us is like so nostalgic of being like, oh, I remember that time like I randomly went to the lake and I wasn't going to swim and then I swam. It was the best day ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then now that I'm getting older, I'm like, wow, I remember that summer. It was so hot and I just sat in front of a fan. I was supposed to go for a hike, but I couldn't because it was so hot. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no happy medium anymore. I <laughs> yeah, I know. Like when, yeah, I kind of get cranky in the summer. Like when, when it's like really hot, I'm mm-hmm. just kind of like, why? This isn't nice. This isn't enjoyable. You can't do anything. I'm just gonna sit inside my house and hope that the air conditioning holds up. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah so yeah. spring and fall. Yeah. Those, the hap- are great. those are the happy mediums. Those are the happy yeah. mediums. Yeah. And. And I enjoy spring a lot more now that I've moved to the city because mm-hmm. there are less bugs. Right. Yes. Yeah. I forgot about those for a while. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, I kind of did, which is shocking because when I where I grew up was known as black fly uh, country. Okay. We had black flies like you would not believe. And you're from um, like... Nor- kind of northern, northern Ontario. Ontario. Okay. Yeah. My partner and I went uh, portaging in Algonquin Park in the summer, like, two years ago. So I could totally understand. Algonquin that. Park. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, right near. Okay. Yeah. I'm, like, 40 minutes north of there. I totally believe you with the black flies. And oh, I goodness. swear to God, if there was, like, an extra few thousand black flies there, my partner and I would not be together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know, they bring out the most honest part of you. Yes. It's awful. I actually, we had a moment where we had our paddles in our canoe inside, like there was hooks to hold them, mm-hmm. and my partner went to slap a black fly. He was in the front, and we were going up a hill with our canoe, and the whole paddle came and smacked me in the face. <gasps> oh! <laughs> and he tried so hard the whole time to, like, explain... Even though I knew exactly what happened. Yes. And I understood, but I was just so mad. The heat on top of that. Oh. The black flies. Heat, muggy, black flies. Being outside, paddling upstream all day. It just wasn't a a good combination. But now we laugh about it. We're still together. And you're still together. (laughs) This is good. That's great. And your face doesn't even have a dent in it. (laughs) 
Not busted. <laughs> not busted. Excellent. So, um, so we met a few days ago. We kind of talked about mm-hmm. a few things. Did you want to bring up any of that stuff here, or were there other things that you kind of had in, on my in your mind that you were wanting to talk about? Yeah. Um. So I approached you, Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which I felt so honored about. Yeah. I um one just like overhearing podcasts and just kind of knowing what your initiative was about. Um, I find it really inspiring talking with women about mental health. Mm. But on top of that, the fact that you're like a super powerhouse mother what? with three children. And yeah, a powerhouse. Yeah, a powerhouse. I use that. I said powerhouse. <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness. Just made me feel like really strong. Okay. She just busted into her superwoman costume. I totally yeah. did. <laughs> ripped open my shirt and there's the superwoman costume underneath. Um yeah, and I'm at this point in my life that if you would have asked 20-year-old Fawn, what 24-year-old Fawn was doing, it was completely different. Mm-hmm. And I've met, oh, I'm going to say this, it's going to sound so cliche, but I met the man of my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and so my progress and my life has completely flipped. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on this mindset of, wow, I actually want to get married. And wow, I actually want children. Mm-hmm. Um so I've been really building in the last few years to be this person who I'd want to, the the person I'd see myself as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so after all this time of like really building on my physical health, um, routine, building a career, getting my business going, um, the only real thing that now I feel is my my roadblock at this point is mental health. Mm. Um, So yeah, that's why I approached you because obviously no one's perfect. Families aren't perfect. But I was like, I'm going to pick her brain and (laughs) see what I can gain from that. And you were such a help. I, I feel um, it was really great talking to you about everything. And I guess we can get to some of that if, if you'd like to talk about it, because I would love to talk about it. Awesome. I'd love to talk about anything that you'd love to talk about. Yeah. Um, I guess to to start, um, one of the biggest things for me to become a mother is the balance of time for myself, time for a career, mm. um, and just time for, for my partner. Um, and so... On top of that, with me, for my when I am having um, extreme anxieties or depressions, I completely shut down. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is so scary. Um, as I mentioned to you, growing up, my mother experienced like a crippling depression from the time I could walk until the time I could walk out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um so for me, my mother's mental health was always right there. So for me, my own mental health, I felt, was always right there because my mom was so expressive about it. Um, being in and out of the hospital, having to stay with family, it just, to me, growing up, I just thought mental health 
specifically depression was always going to be my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I went through a period of my teenagehood. So I was like, there's no way I'm having kids. I was that person, again, 20 year old fawn being mm-hmm. like kids. What the hell? Like, why <laughs> do people do that? <laughs> but I think it was really just me denying that I would ever be able to have a structured life that I didn't want to bring a child into the world if they were going to go through the pain that I had to go through. Yeah. Um, but again, this whole, <laughs> this whole story of meeting somebody that's really changed my life, I'm realizing that mental health doesn't have to absorb who I am. Mm-hmm. Of course it happens, but uh, there's so much more that I can do um, to not have to let my child go through what I had to go through. Mm. Um, but, yeah, going back to speaking with you, um, it really helped that you kind of mentioned that you were very, you're very forward with your children. You're, you let them know when you're not feeling good. And I really respected you sharing with me the fact that, like, you make those barriers with your children in which you can apologize to them when you can inform them that if you treated them a certain way that it's not because they're any less or you don't love them and they they don't deserve to be treated that way yeah so for me like that was a really big weight off my own shoulder of being like it it see it makes sense when you when you think about it but it's so different when you say it out loud Mm-hmm. and you actually, like, hear it being said, you're like, it's, it, it can be that simple. Like, you can apologize. You can tell your child you're human. And I think our generation is so blessed in the fact that even my mother and I speak all the time now, like, her and I's relationship has grown, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, and she's my best friend. And I can talk to her about things that she couldn't talk to with about with her mother so yeah again there's like the more I talk about my fears of becoming a mother in relation to my mental health the more like ready I'm starting to feel when when I'm actually in real life ready if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense you're mentally preparing yourself for being for a, a headspace that you suspect you will be approaching when you become a mother and when you hopefully become a mother. and Yeah. Right? Is yeah, it, exactly. And Which I think is so wise. <laughs> That's really cool. I didn't do that. I think it's like it, it, the anxiety of it kind of outweighs the preparation, if that makes sense. The I obviously know that it's not going to be rainbows and butterflies all the time. But at mm-hmm. least in the same way that, like, I've gone to therapy to, like, learn how to breathe through an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. I can learn the same strategies adding children to the picture. Yeah. Yeah. And not that they're always going to work. I don't know. But at least I can have a little <laughs> mommy anxiety one-on-one book ready. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I find that for myself, like, I'll get, 
like I like I yeah like I said before I have my really bad days and I like and I usually shut down too like that's how I I deal with it so I like I become like really quiet and withdrawn but when I'm alone when I'm home alone with the kids like it's like I can't just go to my room Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they need me and they're going to ask me a million questions about random things and I'm going to do my best to answer and then I'm going to get to a point where I can't do it anymore like where I can't I can't keep answering all the questions because I'm already like putting all of my brain power into trying to just be kind Mm -hmm. and be there and then yeah, so I'm, and like, so on my like successful days, <laughs> I can be like, hey, sweetie, you know what? Um, I just don't have the mental capacity to answer all these questions right now, but I'd love to talk about them later. And then usually the kids, like, they, like, because again, like what I had said to you before, like, I, they know that I have depression. And so they just understand that that's just kind of, it's just pretty normal. Mm hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> fun with that. See you, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm going to go do whatever. I'm going to pull all the toys out of the toy chest and spread them all over the room. <laughs> and spill dirt over here. Um, but uh, but then on my not-so-successful days, I'll be like, could you just stop? Shh. Like, you know, I'll snap. Right. And then that's when I come to them later and I'm just like, hey, so you know what? <laughs> you know that thing that I did? Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. You don't deserve that. And right. Yeah, what you had said earlier. Right. I think that whole dialogue is changing, too, of the fact that parents aren't necessarily always right. Mm. And kids always assuming that parents are always right. Yes. Um. So, yeah, creating that, like, it's a very healthy relationship to be able to, like, teach children these things before they have to be disappointed in it when they're older yes i uh i definitely that's something i definitely went through as a child kind of being like super um kind of like the cliche story of like becoming a rebellious child and not that i was like over the top or anything like that but there's definitely things that i liked it in spite of my mother because I knew that she was trying to create like, I'm your mother kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why did you lie to me about this or blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Could have definitely been prevented and no one's perfect. And mm-hmm. my mother, she tried her best being a single mother and whatnot. So I, I look up to her so much for all of the crap that she had to go through mm-hmm. where she's now. She's, um, completely like flipped her life. She's one of her her parts of with her depression was um, a lot to do with like her weight and kind of her her health around eating. And um, in the last three years, she's lost about sixty pounds. Whoa! Yeah. Um, we, as I said, we. I don't think I mentioned actually. I grew up in Mill Muscadabit, and uh, so being there on her own was starting to get harder. She's getting older, so she like moved to Truro and like started a new job which she had been um on disability for since I can't even remember I can't remember the last time I remember her working because like her disability was because of her her depression wow. so like yeah completely different woman than she was 
that's amazing. Yeah. That's inspiring. It really is. Yeah. It, it like, I wish I could put into words how proud I am of her and the anxiety that I had of being like, from watching her kind of um, self-destruct, this process of watching her go from like very self-destructive to the complete opposite. It's like so relieving. Um, I feel like I don't have to always be there for her. Of course I'm there for her, but in the same time, it's like I feel like I can finally continue my own growth without having to like, always see if she's okay Mm -hmm. which of course I still (laughs) I still make we're always we're always changing and we're always happy and we're always sad so it's always going to be there but I at least I know she's on the other side of whatever demons were holding her that's like amazing yeah proud of you mom wherever you are (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool so like we all pick up things from our parents, right? Do you ever start noticing that um, there are certain tendencies that you can, that like, like, okay, for example, there are some tendencies that I had, um, that I had picked up from my mom. And a lot of it was like, like, so we were like, we like had a, a rough childhood as well. Mom was a single parent for a while. And, um, like, obviously feeling the stress of of trying to provide for her two young kids. We lived out in the middle of nowhere, so finding jobs was a lot more difficult. And she managed, she did it, like, I'm uh, amazed at how well she did, considering, like, she, like, she was a high, like, she um, didn't finish high school. Mm -hmm. So she actually, like, went back and finished high school so that she could get a better paying job to like provide for us and like she did all this while we were kids and like she got pneumonia in the middle of it all got like horribly sick and was like bedridden for weeks like it's ridiculous the stuff that she went through to like make it so she could provide for us um but like so as a result like we found that we were we were living in survival mode so a lot of the way that we functioned was like any we'd do anything more for immediate gratification mm-hmm. we weren't like really thinking about the future right and so I've definitely noticed that carry on into my adulthood mm-hmm. where I like I still remember because it wasn't too long ago where I was like wait a minute I don't have to do that thing right now and enjoy it right now I could actually just like wait mm-hmm. and then it'll be more enjoyable later yes. <laughs> like <laughs> it was so like wait a minute like it's and it's still like uh, but it's so ingrained in me that mm-hmm. I still notice I do it right but I don't think I do it quite as often and I'm definitely thinking more about my future and like and feeling much more comfortable with like hey maybe if I start doing this now in a few years I might be where like I'm hoping to get to right now. Right. So anyway, yeah. That huge long explanation. No, I like I can totally totally relate. There's like okay. um I think a big part of my growth process in the last few years is like actually realizing that I have a lot of patterns of my mother Mm -hmm. um 
like want an example <laughs> this is this isn't like a super in-depth example but something that I always like have to slap myself on the hand it's like grocery store something's on sale it's like oh it's on sale I have to buy it because it's on sale mm-hmm. or like buy five of them because like we don't know if we can get another one of these mm-hmm. um but being like okay no I don't need to do that anymore like I don't need to like feel like that opportunity is going to be missed um Something else I find that has really changed is I don't feel like I get into the same depressive states that I did, say, five years ago. Mm -hmm. Because before, um, back when my mom's mental health was really bad, I really watched her um, with very, like typical signs staying in bed Mm -hmm. not eating properly or eat overeating or um just kind of staying in the 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 gloom bubble yeah and I found throughout my teenage years and I even find myself sometimes now that like I feel so comfortable being in that gloom bubble Hmm. that like sometimes I just want it to grow and that sounds sounds weird to say that but there's sometimes I find it's so familiar being depressed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it feels like me sometimes and it's like it's like the same comfort that I might get from like binging on Ben and Jerry's yeah like I get that feeling sometimes with my emotions and it's addicting it's it's that's the perfect word for it and um yeah I find again my mom's transition's been amazing and I don't find her in it as much as she was or in the same extent in the same way I don't find myself. Okay. But it's still there sometimes. And so I still have to shake her out of that sometimes and um it's it's not something that can really be shaken off because sometimes it really is just a a, a chemical imbalance and I think I'm lucky that I don't have maybe the same chemical imbalance as my mother does. Um, when I was younger, actually, she had to get... she. Uh, I guess I don't know if had to, but this was the resort that she felt was needed, was that she got um, shock therapy yep. done. Um, so that really changed who she was. Not so much as a person, but for me it really hurt because there was just times in which um, she didn't remember things from my childhood that I remembered so vividly, good and bad. And for me it was really hard because there was a lot of layers to my childhood that as I have become older and needed to, like be, as I said, like patterns that my mother have has mm-hmm. or had <laughs> um that I try to get reassurance from her being like well do you remember this time and something that's like such a crucial kind of what I feel like is a crucial moment of our relationship and she can't remember um so that's been really hard for me because there's still a lot of from my childhood whether it was like um boyfriends of hers or just her own states that I've always felt like I needed reassurance or 
um, maybe it's even like wanting it like like a I was wrong kind of thing but yeah. never actually be able to get that even though there, she's apologized to me for many things of my childhood that whether she can remember them or not she's like if I sometimes <laughs> things I tell her she's in denial that happened because I she can't even imagine that that happened mm. um, yeah yeah so yeah there's definitely things that um, I find are still tendencies within myself from her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes things that I don't know if they are from patterns I've learned from her because she doesn't remember either, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. That would be... It's confusing sometimes. Yeah. I've, yeah, I would have a difficult time um, dealing with that. Just because, like, yeah, you kind of... Like, at least I know for myself personally, and I feel this is something that a lot of people can relate to, when you're having a certain emotion, like, when you're feeling a certain way about something that happened in your childhood, like, you do kind of need somebody to, especially, like, if it's something that happened with your parent, like, you really do want them to be able to confirm, like, yeah, that happened and no, that wasn't right. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like, it's more difficult to move past something that's hurt you or formed you mm-hmm. when you can't have that confirmation. Yeah. Just kind of floats. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I think kind of going back to, to this whole process of like becoming a mother one day mm-hmm. is I think for the longest time I felt like I needed some things confirmed and whatnot, but I'm starting to realize that I gotta, I think I'm going to have to let it go. It's like drinking poison but expecting it to like poison somebody else and I don't mean that like in any way of like any building my mother and I have done has been amazing and um very beneficial and I don't think at the end of the day I've ever like brought things up to be in spite but sometimes I feel like subconsciously maybe it is just to get that like that justification of being like I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> if, if, if that makes sense at all. That totally makes sense. I've done the same thing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I've done the exact same thing. I've brought up things with my mom before. And I'll, like, I wanted her to be like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And then it came to like I came to realize later that it was like I wasn't recognizing the pain that she was going through Mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about her and the pain that she was going through and I was thinking more about like how I like I just so deep like I just really needed to have somebody else say that I shouldn't have been treated that way Mm mm-hmm because it, because me having a feeling of like uh, that shouldn't have happened, wasn't it wasn't enough because it was kind of like well I could be wrong, mm-hmm. so I need somebody else that I look up to, who I trust to tell me right. that that was wrong and like who you would naturally look to your parents, right? So it makes it more complicated when they can be like the source of of that like pain. Uh, yeah, I find it's like it's so easy to reflect it into your real, like, your everyday life of, like, your own judgment. 
Mm-hmm. Like the same feeling that I might have of being like, I she was in the wrong. Wait, was she in the wrong? Mm-hmm. And then that same voice goes, it's like confronting a friend about something. Mm-hmm. You're like, wait, was I in the wrong or were they in the wrong? When you're like so dead sure you were in the right. Mm-hmm. It just, it makes you second guess other aspects of your life too. When yes. You don't, that like, when you don't get that okay from your gut mm-hmm. or like the confirmation for your gut feeling, if that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And like it makes you doubt your gut feeling, mm-hmm. and then you st- then you find yourself in the pattern of making a whole bunch of poor decisions because you went against your gut feeling. But it's because you've been taught, growing up, that your gut feeling is wrong. Right. And it so goes back to like why it's so important to be open with children. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Mine. Yeah. <laughs> that is yes. You just put it together. Breakthrough. Breakthrough. <laughs> That's oh, magical. That was magical. Oh, that feels fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't need therapy anymore. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Brain check. <laughs> uh, but it's it's so um yeah, even going back to how you're saying like needing confirmation. It's funny because um so my father is a drug addict, and when I moved... So I'm originally from Toronto. I moved here when I was about 10. I spent all my summers. Um, And so I did not know for the first 10 years of my life that my dad was a drug addict. I thought it was, like, normal that he'd be gone for two days and come back, or he'd just randomly show up for an hour, or, like, it was just... That was... My relationship with my dad was he was there, he wasn't there. Um... And so my mom spent all that time, like, keeping that a secret from us or really trying to mask that. Um, And so when I moved to Nova Scotia, it was in the, my beginning of my teens. And as time went on and, like, trying to contact him, call him, as time went on, it just stopped. It just, no matter how much I tried on my side of things... It just stopped. Hmm. So I was so hard on my mom for that because I had no clue what was going on. And I was letting all my anger out on her when really it was my dad. And so finally, when I think when I was 12, my mom gave it to me. She she told me everything. And I was in still in like such denial and still blaming on her being like, well, if we stayed he would be fine and, like, he would have somewhere to live and, like, all of these variables to why I was blaming my mom for my father's decisions. Mm. So then I think it was around when I was 14 I finally gave up on contacting him, spent, like, a good, yeah, a good eight years of my life not knowing whether he was dead or alive, where he was, um... But throughout this time, I always, the the first five years of that was torturous because I just didn't feel like, like, if you love someone, you don't do that. Or, like, all of these very, like, cliche, like, feelings of what it would feel like to be pretty much abandoned by your your father that you love and knows loves you so much. Um, 
So then I finally, like, I don't know when this happened, but I had a breakthrough of being like, he has a disease. Like, this is it. That is the only way I can deal with this rejection from him, is that he has a disease. And I could not imagine having a disease in which you cut yourself off from the only thing that really matters to you in life. And I say this because this is what he would... He never said that to me, but that was the words that he would always say. It's like, we, we were the only thing... My brother and I were the only things that mattered in his life. So um, for the longest time, yeah, that... I never had confirmation of any of that. And so I think it's two summers ago through maybe even three summers now. um, One of my mom's friends messaged us on Facebook and was like, I saw your father. I know where he is. He doesn't have a phone. He doesn't have like social media or anything, but I know where he's living. So I got his address and that summer I went to Toronto and I took the chance and knocked on his door. Um, at this point, he's living, as far as I know now, um, he is living in, they're almost like um, halfway homes, mm-hmm. um, but like apartment style halfway homes in which it's just a room in a, in a building. Um, anyways knocked on the door and he was there and it was it was really heartbreaking at first because when I saw him he didn't know who I was but after I spoke his eyes completely changed like he knew who I was and he just started bawling his eyes out and of course I started bawling my eyes out because I had the same experience like I looked into his eyes and I didn't really And then, boom, I was like, holy shit, like, that's my dad. Like, that moment. Um, I, I, in my head, for all this confirmation that I wanted, I had a whole novel ready from all of these years that I was ready to tell him how much he hurt me. And I had, yeah, I had a whole story written But the second I saw him, I knew how sorry he was. And I saw where he was in comparison to to when I last seen him. And I already knew that he had experienced enough trauma and pain for the life that he was living. And, like, I forgave him in an instant. I I didn't even need to say it. I didn't even need to, like confront him about anything that I was feeling in the past just like seeing him and letting him be able to see me as an adult because the last time he's seen me I was I wasn't even a teenager yet wow um but it's funny the moral of all this is that the confirmation that I got just for reconnecting with him is more confirmation than maybe what I've felt when I first started to confront my mother about things and I still don't understand why it is that with my mother I'm so hard on her yeah yeah but my father I'm not but again like it's almost they're two different stories they're still in the same book but 
just different situations. I had to, I had to be face to face with my mom more, and my father. I could just kind of imagine, or make up what was going on. Hmm. That is interesting, because like I definitely was harder on my mom than I was on my dad, like because yeah, like and I've wondered why that is it's not because she's disappointed me more Mm -hmm. like my mom was there right right yeah same and my dad couldn't be and but it was like I'd let him off the hook more and be just angry at my mom for all the things that I felt were done wrong like wrongfully done right as (laughs) if like they were supposed to be the ones to like protect us emotionally or Mm. the like I I think also with parents from our generation protecting was shadowing or like like putting a shield but for to not actually seeing what was going on like a smoke screen I think was more of the way of protecting than actually like waving the smoke away right if that makes sense yes that does make sense That was definitely, yeah, I think that was definitely a lot of the, like, much of the approach that was taken when it came to problems that were happening in the family or, like, anything even happening in the outside world. You just pretend, you just make it seem to your kids like none of that's happening. Yeah. I I didn't learn that my dad was schizophrenic until, or had schizophrenia. I think that's the proper way to say I don't think you, I don't, for some reason I think it's, like, improper to say they're schizophrenic. But I don't know why it's improper. But anyway. Somebody can tell us. <laughs> maybe somebody, yeah. If someone's listening there out there and you know, please let me know. But yeah, that he was that he had schizophrenia. I didn't learn that until I was like twenty. And it was just like and mm. it was so upsetting because like it was also like it was relieving. Things made sense. Because things made sense. Because yeah. it was like I knew that he had bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like that he had bipolar disorder, but I didn't know that he had schizophrenia. And so I was always kind of confused because I was like, from what I understand of bipolar disorder, like it shouldn't be that messed up. Right. Like it was really extreme. Mm-hmm. And then I learned from a conversation with my sister that like, she's like, yeah, like people studied him. That doesn't happen often. Like the combination. Wow. And that was why it was so difficult. Like why he was the way that he was. And it was just like. Uh, it like, you know how like your mind gets blown, but you physically feel it. Like your head just goes fuzzy. Yeah, that happened. It makes you like rewind hundreds of moments in your life at once. To be, yeah. Like, boom, 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 boom. Yes, it all <laughs> clicks clicks in, and then it's also like it's just upsetting because it's scary all of a right. sudden. Like, like how did I not know this? Yeah. yeah, and it was, and then it was, ups- yeah, and it was upsetting because like, why didn't anybody tell me? Like that would have helped me a lot growing up. Mm-hmm. But then it's kind of like, well, you know, my mom was trying to protect me, and that's the best way she knew how. Right. Or like maybe she just forgot. Yeah. She had a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> She's like, I've been living with, with this for a while. Yeah, so like, like you know, right? Yeah. You were there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. um, yeah, what you said made me think of that, and now I can't remember why it made me. Did I connect that already? Uh, mental health dead. Dead. Oh. Oh, you're not knowing. Just not knowing 
the yeah, fact, they're not knowing. The, totally. the, the big missing, like you're done the puzzle, and there's just that one the shitty one. little piece. <laughs> that <laughs> always gets like, lost. Where is it? Where is it? I can't understand what's going on with this puzzle right Move now. Move that goddamn futon. <laughs> it's under there. <laughs> exactly. You got it. Yeah, dust it off. <laughs> yeah, you know what's going on. You're helping me put my. You're helping me put the pieces of my life back together. <laughs> A whole other podcast. <laughs> pieces of life. Pieces of life. My pieces of life put together. Um, Speaking of pieces of life. Yeah. Another topic. Um, I was kind of brainstorming on my way here. Of like, what have been big factors to my mental health? Um. And I don't think it's something that's talked about a lot in the African Canadian or alternative ethnicities community. <laughs> let's say. Uh huh. Um, for me, growing up in rural Nova Scotia, my own self identity was so confusing. Um, and also, this is connecting back. I'm thinking of this because of my my father's because. My mother is a white mi'kmaq woman, mm-hmm. and my father is Jamaican, so I'm first generations on this side. And so moving to Nova Scotia, all of my father's side is Jamaica, Toronto area. So mm-hmm. I grew up in middle Muscadabit, which is pretty dominating in one culture. Right. Um, so... It wasn't even until, like, I left Muscadabit before I realized, like, the big impact it had on me that I was not exposed to, like, my own roots. Um, and it really messed me up for a bit. Like, I had a very large identity crisis. Um, one, relating back to, like, who I was in high school, like... Never had my hair curly. Always straightened it. Um, never really wanted to look the way I looked. And I don't think I actually, like, realized until a few years ago that, like, I didn't really think I was beautiful because I always wanted to be a certain way because everyone around me was a certain way. And I don't think I ever really, like... I hate when people say, I don't see color. But I used to think that way. Um, and... I think sometimes when people say I don't see color, it's offensive because there is color. And I think it's important to see that there is color or differences between people. But I spend a lot of my time thinking that it didn't matter where I came from or like what I looked like. Um, but it was really, I, I moved to Ghana and I lived there for about four and a half months and I was so empowered when I came back because I was celebrated so much for who I was and like it was the first time that I was learning about my own history like I learned about the fact that I'm Jamaican a lot of people in Ghana like really connected to the Jamaican culture and they were telling me so much about like where my ancestors probably came from so on and so forth so then it opened this like whole other place in my mind 
then I moved back to Canada, specifically back to Muscadabit, because when I came back, of course, like anyone traveling, you're broke and you have to move back (laughs) home with mom. Right. (laughs) So all of these things, one, from my childhood, coming back, and then realizing, wow, there was like big pieces of my life that I never get to know. And now I have to fill them in because I've opened this hole. And I felt so like empty for a long time because I didn't know that hole was there. Like it was always there though. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yep. Um, so even little things like I've worked a lot within these, within African Nova Scotian communities since. And like even finding out that I was supposed to be entitled or sorry, I was entitled to having a, guidance counselor for African, uh, what is it called? Pretty much a, a guidance counselor supporting African Nova Scotian students. I was supposed to be offered to wear a kente cloth when I graduated. Never got any of these opportunities. Um, my brother was and I, and throughout the year, so it was my brother and I, there was another girl that was mixed, and by the time I left, there was one other... Uh, mixed girl that was in the school. So throughout that the time I was there, there was five people max spread out between this is grade seven to twelve. Oh my goodness! So even I was mad for those people of being like, you didn't give these people these opportunities, and I totally understand. Rural Nova Scotia, it's not the top agenda. It was not the top agenda like five years ago, and things are changing. Um, But, yeah, connecting it back to my mental health, it was really hard because I didn't really know how to identify. Like, I knew so many people that were just like, yeah, I'm this, I'm this, and this, and boom. And then I was like, well, this is going to be a mouthful. But at the end of the day, I am Mi'kmaq, West Indian, German, Scottish, Irish... Did I say Indian, Middle Eastern yet? Nope. Okay. And I think there's one more. Chinese. Yeah. So <laughs> all of that in one. So then I realized that there's a bigger can of worms. And I was like, okay. We can't do this all in a day. Room was not built in a day. And I'm still in that process now of, like, really being confident in, like, how I identify. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it is very hard, too, because... Um, it's really hard to really connect with all these other cultural communities when I, I see myself kind of on the fence looking in all the time. I have never really felt like I've been on the other side of the fence. It's always been I'm not black enough or I'm not made up enough or I'm not white enough Um so I think that's probably, like, one of the biggest things I struggle with with mental health right now is my own personal identity, which the beautiful part of it is that I've been able to really work on myself in the last few years, that all of these things I just spoke about, my childhood, um, all these things under the iceberg, I've been able to get to a point in my life now that I can really focus on me <laughs> and my own development and who I am and educating myself more and keep trying to penetrate these communities that I've 
want to know more about, to know more about myself. Um, I think it's really important uh, to really know your roots, to actually know who you are. And it's been, yeah, it's been quite a journey. <laughs> it's still a journey. And I have no great, like, there's nothing I really have to to say as far as, like, be able to put this into a pretty bowed package. <laughs> but that that's where I'm at right now, just after all of this. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because it takes a lot of bravery to say, like, I don't really feel like I have my own community and that's where I'm at right now. Because, mm-hmm. like, I know that, like, we like to be able to share things that are tidy and in a bow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was freestyling with that. <laughs> that was See good. How it, goes, how it turns out. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was really good. Thanks. Yeah, and I think that you opening up like that can help other people be like, oh, my goodness, that's what that thing was that was bothering me. Mm-hmm. Or, like, I know that it helped me understand just that, like how privileged I am to have more of a community where I feel like I'm from. Right. Because I've just been kind of taking advantage of that. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thanks for listening. I've, yeah, it is, it's a, like, it's not something I just come out and say to everyone that I know all the time, but I think being able to have platforms like this to say it out loud, it makes it feel a lot more legitimate for me. Like mm. it's not just things I'm writing in my journal and mm. that potentially there are people out there that feel the same. And it's like, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> like, speak out more. I need to hear this. I need to find not necessarily people that are all of the nationalities that just name. <laughs> Because that's going to be pretty hard. <laughs> but right. just that feeling, I guess, that um, it can be isolating. Mm. Um, and I find one of the hardest things about my generation right now is that I think race is still kind of a taboo for people to speak about. Like, it's of course, it, there's so much movement happening, but it's not always... And it's not always front and center. And it's not that I always want to be front and center. That I just think it's just, yeah, it's just something that needs to be spoken about in the same way that mental health is spoken about. Because it is my mental health (laughs) right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... Like I said before, but I want to say again, like I'm very impressed with how, how thoughtful you are like at this point in your life cuz i'm like thinking back to when i was 24 and i don't i don't think that i was as thoughtful as you are and you're just like you're very wise and you're very like open to learning and it's just like i you're a very impressive person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> um and so we're coming up near the end like i can't believe that time went by so fast but um but I have to ask, because I like to ask all of my guests this. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does it look to you to be mentally healthy? Mentally healthy. We. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think what I've really learned is stability is what I see as mental health. Being able to, like, check myself. Um 
I'm really lucky that I have my partner who, if I've gone too deep, can we can go through it. We have like our own checklist. It's like, if you're feeling bad, think of these three things. Did you eat? Did you drink water? When was the last time you exercised? Did you sleep properly? Okay, that's four instead of three. (laughs) But these things that are like so basic that me a few years ago didn't give a shit about um, whether I was eating properly. I would work out when I wanted to. But now I've realized like these are, I need these things in my life. And if Mm -hmm. I don't do them, I'm going to feel like shit. Mm -hmm. So when I start feeling like shit, I need to check myself. And if I don't check myself enough, then plan B, I have Brendan, my partner, who checks me. And sometimes that doesn't work. And that's fine. And that's, I think that goes to kind of what I was talking about when, when it becomes more chemical than just what you're, how you're treating yourself or like what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess like at the end of the day, knowing that, yeah, mental health is not linear. Like there's not an A to B. There's a whole freaking alphabet in between there. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, and just being okay with that and knowing that, you can't be happy without being sad and that there's always there's always more always being able to know that there's more i think is how i see mental health hmm. yeah <laughs> i like that yeah thank you yeah thank and thank you, you. <laughs> oh it's like it's my honor really like it is so thank you. Yeah. And back at yeah, powerhouse. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love like that like just gives me such an ego boost. No idea. It makes me feel fantastic. I mean, drive with me the cloud tomorrow. Yeah, totally. I totally am. Yes. yes That's I what I am. want. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotta get my playlist ready. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my powerhouse yeah. playlist. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming up and like and opening up like and talking about all these things. You've helped me like figure out a whole bunch of stuff too. Oh. So Yeah, thank it's you. just so good to talk. Like it's so good to talk. Again, I feel like it's so easy to talk in your head. But it never makes sense until you like say it out loud. Yes. And then, and then to have somebody else say, that makes sense. It's like, You're just like, oh, okay. Back to that gratification. That, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So thank you. Everything that you said made such excellent sense. Okay, good. Yes. And yeah, I think it's amazing that you're giving people this platform because I don't think I've ever really been able to like express myself in this way. And feel like um, it could potentially, like, somebody could hear this and take something from this. It's like you can have these conversations with people, um, but if people are tuning in specifically to listen to the podcast, 
it's because they're they want something from it. They're gonna take something from it. So That's a very good point. even what you're doing, like we were speaking earlier of that you probably have so much more people that are kind of throwing up on okay, not actually throwing up, like <laughs> <laughs> emotionally throwing Emotionally up throwing up on me. <laughs> Where bib. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But I think that says so much um, that, yeah, that people feel comfortable saying these things to you. Like what I did, what I, a lot of what I just said, like I have feeling that I have a lot of friends that don't know this side of me. And of course I want to let my friends know the side of me, but just society's always said to shut up. Or to like, no one wants to hear it. Or, but, God damn it, I'm gonna be heard. <laughs> yes, that's powerhouse. Yeah, speak. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Changing stuff. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone that's listening, like, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. I like. I hope that you have found something that you can relate to and that helps you in your journey. And like, I would love to hear from you if there are any thought, any thoughts that you have. Um, if you want to get in touch with Vaughn to talk about that or say, Hey, you're not alone. Like we, we love that. So please, please, uh, you can direct message me on Instagram. It's at optimistically depressed. And I, I check that the most frequently or email me. And uh, anyway, um, Fawn, do you have a handle that you wanted to share? Uh, yeah, Fawnster Monster. Fawnster Monster, <laughs> I, I love it. I got that when I was a child. That's so My great. My first babysitter gave me that name and it's just stuck, so. That's be- that's so brilliant. <laughs> and what's the business that you started? Just to, we need to get a plug in oh, there for that. Yeah, so I also have Instagram if you're looking for this one. It's called Different Root with double O. It's like root and route. Um, it. It's an outdoor recreation and facilitation business yeah. aiming to reconnect people with themselves, nature, and community. So if you want to check that out, find me on Instagram, my website, and all that fun stuff is there too. Awesome. Yeah, go check it out. Fawn is an incredible woman, a very powerful woman, and I I know just from being, like, you know, vibes that you get from people mm-hmm. and the conversations that we've had things that you're going to be setting out to do there's no doubt there's greatness coming from those so thank you you're welcome and everybody out there again thank you so much for taking the time to listen and just remember that wherever you are i'm just sitting here loving you have a great night morning afternoon evening talk to you soon bye bye